Welcome to Practice Pursuit for Therapists, the podcast dedicated to guiding therapists on the path to launch and grow their own successful private practice. We are Rachel and Adrian, and we are thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Navigating the world of private practice can be a daunting endeavor filled with uncertainties, and that's where this podcast comes in. Practice Pursuit for Therapists is here to host open and honest discussions around the most challenging aspects of being a therapeneur. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the crucial and intimidating aspects of starting a business. We want to support you in this emotional journey. We're here to help you take meaningful steps to overcome insecurities and doubts that might otherwise hold you back. Let's get started. So today we're going to talk about doing teletherapy versus in-person therapy. And we've both had experience doing both. I was doing all in-person. And then when COVID happened, I slowly transitioned to online. And then there was a moment in COVID where where things started to get better. I went in person again and saw a couple of people online. And then I moved. And now I'm 100% virtual. Adrian, what's your situation? Now I do a hybrid. I do both. So I, you know, pre-COVID, everybody was in person. There wasn't teletherapy. And then once COVID happened, that's when I actually went back into private practice. And so I started completely remote, but I was having a really hard time at that time because it was so new finding clients that wanted to be remote. And so I was having to get really creative with how to see people in person without an office space because I was just starting out. And now I have a very small handful of clients that want to be seen in person and everybody else is teletherapy. And I think there's kind of pros and cons to both. Yeah. I have noticed a huge shift in the number of people that want teletherapy. It really wasn't that much of a thing prior to COVID. And I feel like there was throughout COVID kind of a mix of people. Some wanted teletherapy and liked that you could just do therapy from home and not have to drive somewhere. And some people really wanted to connect in person. So let's just talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons and what we've noticed in our practices and within ourselves as we've transitioned to doing more teletherapy. You know, a few things came to mind while you're talking about that. As far as teletherapy, some of the pros are I get to work from home. Mm-hmm. I can be really flexible. If somebody cancels, it still stinks, but at least I'm home and I can go do my dishes, go do laundry, do things at home that I want to do, walk my dog. You know, I'm not stuck at an office, maybe with a two hour gap while I'm waiting for my next client. I always hated that. It's much more convenient for clients. So it's easier to get clients, especially from all around the state. You're not just limited to your geographical area. So I really like that. And I like how it has made therapy much more accessible for people who maybe couldn't do it before because of their job or where they live or whatever the reason. So I do like that part. Yeah. Some of the cons for me have been some clients don't take it as seriously. Some clients forget a lot and you know, it's yes, I can shoot them a text and they jump on. Some of the other things that have been kind of challenging with remote therapy is, you know, all the laws, the laws that are changing now that 
all the COVID provisions have been lifted. And I was reading somewhere that now clients are going to be required to see their therapist at least one time in office, which creates such a huge barrier, especially when I have clients kind of all over the place. And I'm sure that's a concern for you, Rachel. You know, the other con is the isolation. Because when I was in the office, I was connecting with people on a regular basis and seeing other therapists. It was much easier to get consultation when you had a tough case, that community aspect. So it can be really isolating and kind of lonely working from home all the time. Yeah, I agree. That law you were talking about, is that just in Colorado? I thought that was just in Colorado. It might be. I thought it was nationwide, but it could be just like a Adora, our regulating agency thing. I'll look that up. I do remember seeing something about it and I cannot remember the context, but I remember thinking that it's for the clients in Colorado. When does that come into effect? That I'm not sure about. And I have to look at that too, but it really is confusing because Mm -hmm. we also are on the brink of the approval of the social work compact. Right. And hopefully that will go into place soon. So I don't know how you would navigate those things if you have clients all over the country. That doesn't work. No. And especially with all of these online teletherapy platforms that are out there now, I would expect that that would be an issue for a lot of people. Right, right. Yeah. Because there's this movement to try to make health services in general, but you know, in our context, mental health services a lot more accessible. So we have things like the interstate compact coming about, and that doesn't work if we're required to see a client in person at least once a year. Right. And then what do you do with office space? Yeah. So uh, the whole thing is kind of confusing. And the fact that they don't really communicate it well. Right. There's really not a lot out there. And the pieces I have gathered have been from random trainings that I've attended and not because I've gotten emails or updates Mm -hmm. from anybody. Right, right. Insurance payers, the regulating agencies, nothing. Right. Yeah. So it it can be difficult to navigate. And throughout COVID, all the states and all the insurances seem to work together to make teletherapy a lot more smooth. You know, over time, as COVID and the crisis started to dissipate, different insurances and different states started having all different rules. And the rules could be different from one plan within the same insurance as another plan. So I went from being able to do teletherapy and not having to get a prior authorization or anything like that to now some plans, because I I work in two different states, Colorado and Virginia. So some plans with my Colorado clients Even though I'm paneled with that insurance and I'm licensed in that state, because my physical location is not in that state, I have to get prior authorization to see that client through in-network benefits. It doesn't make sense to me because one client with a certain plan with Aetna or Anthem, I can see without that one that is in a different plan, like for example, the, the federal Anthem insurance, I don't have to do a prior authorization. It doesn't matter what state I'm in. They Mm -hmm. make it to where if you're licensed in that state, you just, you can see the client. You don't have to ask for prior authorization, but someone else with a different Anthem plan in that state, I would have to get prior authorization. So it is 
more difficult now. If you want to see a client in another state, you really need to be diligent about communicating with insurance and making sure you know what the requirements are for seeing that client in that state if you're in a different state. I'm interested to see if that changes when the interstate compact comes about for some other licenses that already exist. So I'm not sure why we're not seeing changes to make it go a little smoother. Right. Again, some insurances, it's very easy and streamlined and some it's not. So, you know, it, it really depends on the state you're in, what state your client's in, what insurance plan they have. There's no streamlined process for any of it. So that's a con I would say about doing teletherapy is right now you have to jump through some extra hoops if you accept insurance mm-hmm. in order to get paid by that insurance. That is frustrating. Yeah. But the pro is I'm working from home. I get to be with my dogs, even though they sometimes interrupt and want to sit in my lap or bark. I try to do things to minimize that as much as possible, but I do love being with them throughout the day. And being able to make more availability for myself. So if I'm at home, seeing people during certain hours is going to be easier than if I was having to go into the office. I wouldn't want to stay in in the office until eight o'clock at night. But if I'm at home, give myself time to make dinner, get everyone situated, then I could still see some evening clients. I only do that one day a week just to Mm -hmm. accommodate my clients in a different time zone. But I feel like working from home allows me that flexibility and makes it a lot less stressful rather than having to go into an office during those times. Which brings up like the safety aspect. I always felt nervous in my offices because there's so few people who do evening sessions. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm alone in an office building and walking out in the dark, there was always that fear of safety, especially when I was meeting a new client. Yeah. You know, back then when I was also seeing men, it, you know, it brought a different level of awareness to what clients I was taking and where I was putting them on my schedule and what I was offering just for my own safety and and feeling comfortable with what I was doing. I don't know. Do you feel that way about in person? Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, throughout COVID and the state of things these days with how prevalent violence is, and right now I'm in an area where I'm hearing of a shooting every other week. You know, the area I'm in physically in my immediate vicinity is relatively safe, but if I were to get an office space, that would automatically put me in one of these areas where there's a lot more gun violence, unfortunately. And so I've honestly developed a lot of paranoia about being in public places, as I feel like most Americans Mm -hmm. have developed. So yeah, that is definitely a perk. Being in the safety of my own home, not having to walk to my car when it's dark, just knowing I'm going to be as safe as possible. That is a huge pro. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the cons, it's a smaller con, but one of the cons of being teletherapy only is there are some clients who still want in person. Yeah. 
A lot of my older clients still want in-person. Some of my EMDR clients feel much more comfortable in-person than they do over teletherapy. Clients who have borderline abusive or unsupportive partners, you know, Mm -hmm. they like going to the office because they don't feel like their confidentiality is safe at home. And so, you know, if that's a population that you're wanting to work with, getting an office space might be beneficial and, you know, otherwise coming up with different tactics because office space is so expensive. I was Mm -hmm. just telling you earlier that my office, my rent is going up and I rent hourly because I only have a few clients who want to be seen in person. And that's, it's a huge expense. It's one of my biggest expenses a month. That's kind of ridiculous. That's, you know, that's something to really think about. So if you can, if you are looking for office space, being able to office share or find a way to rent out your space so that your expenses are negligible, I think that's the way to go. You know, and that's something I've been thinking about doing for a while, but finding people to commit (laughs) to renting space with you, it's not as easy as one would think (laughs) or hope. So I, I don't know. You know, and that that's the other reason that I chose to rent hourly from this one particular company is it's all therapists and wellness type people. So there's one waiting room and it's not just like my one little solitary office and mm-hmm. I'm having to just navigate all of those pieces, those safety pieces again. Yeah. I feel much safer being in a community space where I know that there are other people around who know what I'm doing. I know what they're doing. And if there was ever any kind of commotion, there'd be people there. So yeah, that's a good point. And I was thinking as you were saying that too, there are limitations, whether you want to call that a con or not. I think it depends on the on your niche and the population you want to work with. But there are limitations. If you're working with someone who has a lot of depression or a lot of self-harm behavior, maybe they're not attending to their hygiene, or maybe there's self-harm bruises or marks that you wouldn't be able to see if you were telehealth. Maybe if someone's in an abusive relationship, there's marks on their body that you wouldn't be able to see. There are certain populations where you really do need to be in person to fully assess the safety and maybe the level of impact that depression has on things like hygiene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are going to be maybe people who have active suicidal ideation. That's probably not the best to do teletherapy because you you want to make sure for these more intensive needs that you are very much in control of the safety of the space that you're in for the session. And some people are either not going to feel safe doing a session in their home, or you're not going to feel safe not being able to see them in person. So there are limitations to that. And my niche is really working with women in trauma. And I end up working with a lot of eating disorders and anxiety disorders. And for most of my clients, teletherapy works very well. I just let people know my limitations in providing teletherapy, and I don't take on clients that I have uncertainty about that being appropriate for. And I've thought about going back in person for a day or two a week. I don't feel that cost is justified at this time because I do have so many clients 
in another state. And I have no problem having enough clients in this state that want to do virtual. I do miss sometimes being in person though. I miss being able to do more somatic work. There is sometimes a a connection I, I miss. Yeah. Yeah. I think you brought up a good point with population because one of the reasons that I don't see teenagers is because I am mostly teletherapy. Yeah. Um, I personally, it's a personal choice. I know lots of people see teenagers over teletherapy, but I personally don't feel comfortable providing teletherapy for teenagers just with Mm -hmm. their impulsivity and the people pleasing that happens with that younger age group. I mean, it happens with older people as well, but I just don't feel comfortable. And so Mm -hmm. Really knowing your population and who you want to work with, I think, is such an important piece for determining if you're going to be telehealth versus in-person and then factoring in the cost. Can you afford, can you afford rent? Yeah. Because rent is not cheap. Yeah. You know, I do know some clinicians who have been offered free office space by other clinicians until their businesses get up to a certain level just to help them get off the ground and get started, which I think is fantastic. But those opportunities are few and far between, and it's all about who you know and who you're connected with. Right. Yeah. Another population that's pretty much impossible to do teletherapy with is young children. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep their attention. You need them to be physically engaging in an activity to keep their attention. And I think the elderly population is also difficult to do teletherapy with sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like you already said, knowing your population and what's most appropriate for that population is going to be essential in deciding whether you do virtual or in-person. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? With teletherapy. Cybersecurity is important whether you're in person or virtual, but virtual there's going to be some added things you need to be aware of. So I'm working on a computer all day and so I need to make sure that all the files on my computer are encrypted. Again, that's not different from if you were in person versus virtual, but I feel like I'm doing more things on the computer and need to be sure my house is set up to where I can control sound, needing to make sure the internet is secure, things like that. Yeah. And being aware of where you're working, you know, we all have laptops and man, it would be nice to go and work at the library sometimes. Yeah. But I can't be on an open network. Right. Right. So unless you are using maybe your phone as a hotspot, if it's password protected or something, you know, so just being really, really aware of all of those internet and cyber things that most of us are not (laughs) learned in. (laughs) Right. There's all kinds of stuff like that. We'll dedicate another episode to talking about some of those things, but that does impact teletherapy, which is why I thought I'd mention it. You just need to maybe put a little more work into some of those things if you're working virtually. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So just to recap, think about your personal preference. Think about the population you're working with. 
Think about what you have access to. Rent for an office space could be anywhere from 700 to maybe a couple thousand, depending on the location. You know that you could maybe find a situation where you rent space for a day from another therapist with the office. But just cost of renting a space is something to keep in mind. Working from home does allow you to have more tax breaks, Mm -hmm. more write-offs for your personal expenses at home. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. Really just thinking about what it is that you're trying to achieve with your private practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's it for today. Thank you all for joining in and listening to Practice Pursuit for Therapists. Please like, subscribe, and share if you love this episode. We appreciate you all and see you next time.